All right, everybody, welcome to another installment of the Dismount Podcast. As we uh, saddle up, we are discussing and talking today sports and competition. Are they good for us or are they helping the divide and conquer global narrative? Look at that haircut, bro. I spent $40 on this haircut. Woo! Teddy, Teddy, what what do you think? I called. I was going to say, yeah. I did mine. I did mine ten days. Yeah, I did mine ten days. I figured ten days. If I need a trim, I'll get it. I called a guy on Thursday, Wednesday. This was Wednesday. I made a call for try to get a guy to buy season tickets, and he uh, he was interested. He was like, "Yeah, I gotta get. A, I always got money coming in. I gotta get a uh, gotta get off the phone. I got a customer here. I was like, "What do you do?" He's like, "Oh, I'm a barber." I'm like, "Oh yeah, where?" He's like, "Swickley." I was like. Got a spot for one thirty. He's like, yeah. Like, all right, see you then. Nice. <laughs> when I got my haircut, he killed it. He's great. Nice. Yeah. Good haircut. Heck yeah. Uh, Justin. Good dude. Well played. Yeah. Well played on yeah. the sales sales skills. Yeah. I mean, fuck it. He's going to buy something. So I figured I'd go visit him. Got a good haircut. Double the price I usually spend on a haircut. So it can't be bad. Right? Is that how You're that works? Normally a $20 guy. Um... 25 I think. 25. With a tip 30 with him, it was... 35 tip 40 so actually like 10 bucks more okay 10 bucks more I did drive a lot more usually i walk to get my hair cut but uh yeah no i figure the guy's gonna buy something at least i could do is go give him some uh patronage yeah, my you know, dad can easily spend 40 50 bucks on every haircut Damn, yeah the cheap as hell sitting here like, no i, I prefer the ten dollar haircuts like there's a place ray jerry's is still down uh noble's tan right near all like when you come to you need to sneak the back way through yeah, like yeah. Uh, green tree there's like the uh like the the Taco Bell and the Enterprise and yeah, then yeah. that plaza right there is where I usually get my haircut. That's a that's a fifteen dollar haircut. It's a good haircut. Fifteen dollar bunch of old old Italian Johns. That's why I used to go to Circones in Bloomfield. I own like half of Bloomfield or Circones. Really? Yeah, but uh, I guess around the time I was there, I think one of the Circones also like the owner or something, like the head honcho. That's. <sighs> That's the issue of getting your hair cut by an older gentleman is um I had the same thing. I had a guy lose I don't know, whatever talk about. It. I think he had like his wife died or something. He used to cut the shit out of my hair and his wife died. He's like, Yeah, I don't want to cut hair anymore. I'm like, I don't blame you. So like, you should go like enjoy your life, bro. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry about my hair. We're all good. We're not worried about the hair. I have it keeps coming all day. Huh? Mar. It keeps coming all day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, the hair doesn't stop. No, no. Especially for you, dog. Oh, geez, I'm a woolly mammoth. <laughs> oh, you Kevin Baxter? Yeah. Here. I'm a woolly mammoth. Or Evan dude. Baxter. I, said, I shaved, uh, did the fresh shave with Maisie a month out. Because I knew I was like, yeah, a month, it still won't even grow back. No. But we'll be good. Can we all do mustaches for the wedding? Brandon, Brandon is six days out from the first of back-to-back wedding ceremonies. Um, back-to-back. Back-to-back, bro. bro. Jordan, 96, 97. He's getting married twice. Whew. 96, 97. <laughs> it's a Mormon's life. Yeah. Is that it's how they do it? What? Do they just like line it up like does a Mormon who marries like 10 <laughs> women. Do they line it up like, okay, for the next week and a half, we're going to ma- have a wedding every day. No. I mean, a, that would be wild. That'd be crazy. Be wild they have to go on dates while they're married. Like, oh, hey, this is my wife. Karen. This, is my wife this is my wife, Eve. Like, hey, Eve, 
everyone. This is Rachel. And <laughs> <laughs> I love for them to be there when he proposes, and it's like, fuck, this is a lot nicer than mine. <laughs> wow. Like, yeah, I was young and stupid when I married you. I was like, what does that say? Oh, jeez. It's got Could a, you? They already knew all their names. Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine them all? This is a controversial subject, but can you imagine them all getting their period at once? Like, oh, fuck, <laughs> fuck that. I'm going fishing. That's it. I'm done. I'm going for the weekend. I don't need to push. I'm just going to sit on the boat with my thoughts. Oh, I mean, <laughs> sit on a boat all right, let's, let's go into topics we don't know anything about. Don't know women's periods sink once they spend time like around each other? Time. Yeah. Yeah, over a long time they will. So would you rather spend three weeks of um, having intercourse with every wife you have at any point you'd like and one week completely off, or would you want consistency across the board where you can always have a little something? Probably one week off. Yeah, I think so, too. I think I'd be okay the one week off. Three weeks of whatever I want in one week off. While you're gone, though. It could be setting up a mutiny. <laughs> a mutiny. A mutiny. <laughs> setting up a mutiny. I just while don't think that's a good system to have multiple lives. I'm like, eh, it doesn't seem like. I mean, okay. So. It seems like a reckless, like a, I don't know. It seems like a wildlife. It's a bit misogynistic of me, but I'm like, I don't think men can traditionally handle more than one woman. I can't. I don't. I don't think most guys can ha- handle the divine feminine itself. You know, dude. I don't even think I can tell you what I ate for lunch two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> sports. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, speaking of which. You want me to leave this? I'd, I'd be happy to. I can. I can talk. I can. I can look at these, and I. I can talk on any of this all day. Yeah, go for it. So yeah, go for it. So if we're talking through dividing and conquering, as far as like sports go, or or good for the 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 general the general good of the order, I guess. Um, you know, I, I think the 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 immediate question would be like. You know, what is an example of both? So if we're talking, are sports good for bringing communities together or are they more something that drives us apart? I think maybe an example of each would be beneficial. I think I can stand on one side of, of the fence pretty easily and, and give a ton of good examples why, but that's not the point of the podcast. <laughs> I knew that's not what Zach had in mind when he had this. So I'd love to hear examples from Zach first. No, I mean, you should. Have your, you your want me to lie, you want me to lie down first? I mean, if you want, if you want to, I'd be happy to. Yeah, if you you don't. So have bringing to, together, I, what side do you? I don't care what side of the fence you want to be on. No, no, I'm not stating that there's you know? a side of the fence I prefer to be on. I'm just saying there's one I would lean more towards than the other. But I'm curious of what you have to say. I can at my, least my thoughts are like my thoughts are sports are fantastic for competition itself. I think what ends up happening is we get so stuck in the everlasting cycle of wanting to be the best that what frustrates me with sports is the cheating and like the doping and doing stuff like that. Like, so you're taking, you're taking not a fan's perspective. You're taking an actual athlete's perspective on this more. more yes. Okay. More so. Yeah. Okay. No expand. Like I, I would, it frustrates me that there are potentially some kids that are like younger from like different gener- different countries that like their whole like 
apparatus is probably not the best word to use, but like their whole <laughs> like your paradigm or approach? Yeah, their their approach for sports or the competition that ultimately brings in so much of their economy from it, they they push these kids to do some very rash things. Like I guess there's a lot of doping going on right now in the like ultra psych oh not the ultra cycling, ultra like running world like marathons and ultra marathons and all that kind of stuff like all these kids are pretty young and they're like they're doping up pretty hard right now to be able to run these ridiculous races like way faster than anybody's ever ran them and like to me that's just like i don't know man that is where that's where the the sports take too much of where they start to then to for me start to divide people you know, between the people who are willing to do this like rash, potentially negative thing, kind of like dark side versus trying to just be this like positive light of like, look, this is what you can do when you put a lot of consistency to work and you put your mind towards something and you want to achieve something versus the Mark McGuire who has his name basically like stripped and like, you and I remember like having the Mark McGuire like blue f- wiffle ball bat. That was my favorite thing in the world, dude. You know, I, had, like, I had a Mark McGuire jersey. Yeah. The what year, what year was that? That was like that had to have been where like him. Yeah, like him and Sosa were in the like the home run race. Like that was the most exciting thing that baseball had ever had in my lifetime. Was when him and Sammy Sosa. Right? It was like 2001. I'll say like okay. was it was it pre or post 9/11? That's a great question. I'd say right. I'd say 2000. I'd say right before. I'd, I'd be curious with that answer, but I, dude, baseball has never been that exciting. But of course, it, it's completely tarnished. Backyard baseball is oh, what would oh. make me think of it, and I was thinking like two thousand three, two thousand four. That's Easy. what I. I'm gonna look. Good. That's what made me think of no. Yes, on the PC for sure, nice. dude. For sure on the PC. It became. It was cool whenever it came out on GameCube and it came out on different stuff. And you could play like on a bigger screen, but the PC was the original way. It was 1998. 98. Wow. So we were six years old, dude. Oof. Holy cow. Yeah, that and that right there is for me where the divide and, and like the n- narrative is to divide and conquer people. That's just any person that's out there, you can't you can't sit there and look at history and not say like, oh well, the great people who I shouldn't say great. <laughs> But the people who have tried to do these ridiculous things, their whole narrative was to divide and conquer. So that that consistent narrative is in our society on a regular basis. Now, I would hope that sports would be something that would allow us to come together in camaraderie of healthy, clean competition and advancing ourselves and pushing ourselves out of our comfort zones and making ourselves better or faster or stronger or more efficient versus this, like, we got to do this to be able to make money, to be able to yeah. perpetuate more of this, like, shit versus, like, your major athlete who's sitting there and finally says, like, fuck this Coca-Cola, drink water. And even right. this water isn't that great, but at least no, it's, this over that. Well, it's that's you that's know? that's the issue is the platforms there. Like, think of, like, UFC fighting. Like, every... There's a lot of the UFC guys. I mean, it's not as prevalent now, but they used to 
go for uh, their their post fight interview, and every single one would be holding a monster can and they're empty monster an can. empty monster can. That's yeah. it. They're not even drinking it. No one's ever sitting there like, oh, dude, monster helped me win this award today. Right. Never it's never. Or ever. or they used to have the monster water, where it'd be a monster can look exactly the same, but it was water. You'd look down the bottom, it's just a can of water. Yeah. But they wanted their logo, the green logo, sitting there, and I mean that's the issue. There is like the prevalence of money. In, in the situation, because I think there's a lot of very good things that happen organically, like, like territorial wise, like there is a, there's, there's this source of energy inside of us that needs to come out through competition in, in territorial competition. Like that's always been something. And it's probably good that humanity has that type of competition instilled inside of us because for many years outside of it, it was just, fighting each other to the death. And now yeah. like that's like, you know, football is as close to, you know, gladiator competition as we have. Something like I think hockey and UFC are, are pretty close to it too. People don't give hockey the credit it is, but it's people skating around twenty miles an hour, smashing into each other, fighting each other with their fists. It's like the only sport that you can do pretty much whatever the hell you want. Um so that being said, it's good to have that healthy competition instilled in us in some way because I think it's naturally just there. Didn't even take your skate off and try to stab somebody. No, there's a guy in like <laughs> Europe who just tried stomping on a guy. Holy yeah, shit. that's a piece of shit move because that's the understanding is like, you know, there is no like when you're, I think the sportsmanship is the biggest thing too is like sportsmanship should be a way to show that we can, you know, have those healthy competitions, but not also put each other into a, a place where like you're, you're signing on a, a dotted line to be a part of this competition. And what happens within those 60 minutes of being on the ice, for instance, whatever occurs to win the game, you know, we're going to do our best within the rules to win this game. And then at the end of it, we're going to shake each other's hands and pat each other on the back and move on. Does that always work out that way? No, there are people that move really quickly through the handshake line at the end of the playoff series after they're done you know, beating the shit out of each other. But I think realistically, like the rules are there to to help, you know, instill that competition. And when done correctly, it does bring a source of camaraderie on the ice. But there's still that natural like, you know, I I I, I don't appreciate the way the guy this guy did that or, you know, without the rules, I would have taken advantage because there is that primal instinct to still want to, you know, drive further. You're still an animal in some ways. And that's only the athletes. Like I'm, the fans are a whole different beast too. Oh yeah, the fans are a whole different situation. Because look at look at the city that we live in, and the state that we live in. You know, being from Pittsburgh, and let's go grab five people from outside right now and ask them what their what their position on Philadelphia is. I'm sure you're going to get three out of five people that are going to say Philadelphia. Or something a lot negative along the lines of like, see, like I think it's different though because like realistically, like I'm in New York and my rival is Boston. I'd be like, it'd be really hard to convince you that Boston isn't a nice city. Boston is a very nice city with very nice people. Philadelphia, it really sucks, dude. It's really dirty and those people suck. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm saying, dude. See, no, but that's like. It is exactly true. Like, that's my you point. It's like, I, mean? I don't, I can look from the outside perspective and see like, oh, well, that's kind of dumb. Like, you're just, it's two cities. You know, they all have their pluses and Philadelphia is a nice city. And I'm sure there's people that are great. But 
like when you get like if you ask someone, hey, do you want to go wear a Steeler jersey to an Eagle Steelers game at you know um, whatever the stadium is in, in Philadelphia? Um, no, you don't. You probably don't. Um, could people get away with going there and like, hey, I'm just like a nice dude. Like if an Eagles fan showed up and sat next to me at a Steelers Eagles game in Pittsburgh, chances are I'm not going to give that guy trouble until he gives me a reason to. And then I'm going to be his, you know, his guy that's just kind of, you know, giving him a shit the whole time. You know, I'm never going to want to fight that guy to the death. Yeah. Right. But there is something where like. That's the issue because like in, in alcohol is the number one issue. If you take alcohol out of stadiums, A, no one goes to football games, but B, like all the issues you run into with all those fights you see on, you know, TikTok or whatever it is, those are not there. The alcohol is what like removes the 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 veil of, you know, being a, a functioning member of society. Most people don't get into those battles without alcohol influence. Yeah, without some kind of elixir. Right. There's also the mass numbers. The numbers give you deindividuation, makes you think you're less accountable than you are. Meanwhile, you have no idea how many cameras are watching you and how many people are actually watching you. Yeah. But I think I think on the surface, especially with like the fan situation, as far as meeting people from other teams, like I spent the last two years going to every Steeler game. And I have met so many people from teams that are even even like cleveland and cincinnati and baltimore they all travel here and if you take time to just greet those people properly and talk to them as a human and not someone wearing a freaking purple shirt they're just as nice as you they care just about the same things they're just human beings if you met them at a bar and neither of you were wearing the shirt you would have no clue right right so it's a, it's also a decision. You, most people who are out there looking to give shit to people are just those people who naturally give shit on a regular basis. So I think on the on the surface, it, it does a lot of good when you want it to do good. Like sports does a great job of bringing people from all over, no matter if it's your city rooting for the same team or if it's you know another city coming to your city to root for their team that your team's playing. There is still a lot of good until you choose otherwise. And then once you choose otherwise, it gives you this platform that is can be completely toxic and overwhelming. But I think on the surface, it's good. And that's in the United States. Don't ask me about outside of the United States. Right. Because it gets really fucking bad. Like go to an English league soccer game. You are when you're at an English league soccer game. So like Lester plays um, West Ham today. You have the entire stadium. Leicester fans all around and in the corner, there's the West Ham fans. Each row on the outsides has security all the way up and all the way down. And there's a good reason for that because they're not friendly. There's no friendly there. There, there are hundreds of English clubs in England. Do you know how big England is? It's like the size of Pennsylvania and New York combined. That's it. And there's hundreds of soccer teams. So the territorial nature of it is like, imagine if there were 32 NFL football teams in Pennsylvania, they probably going to kill each other. So like, that's one of my points. Yeah. So that's the point is like the territorial, like overload of it. In, and obviously maybe not being as welcoming in a sense. Um, it, it definitely carries over. I think the United States may be a little further along and maybe we just don't care as much. Like people really care about soccer there. And like Lester has a bad, bad background of getting into fights and, and causing trouble and whatever it may be, just based off the community. Like when you have that many soccer clubs in a, a condensed area, obviously there's places that are richer, 
or poor or whatever it may be. So if you have Leicestershire, which is a working class town, and you're going to Manchester, which is this upscale, you know, hibbity dibbity, not only do they not like your soccer team, they generally just don't like the people. Right. So that's like, imagine the North Side playing so Wickley. Yeah. That's a whole different story than Pittsburgh playing Baltimore because your city you identify with compared to like Baltimore. The city of Baltimore, the city of Pittsburgh are so widely expanded that it's really hard to identify with a certain part of it. You just identify with the city as a whole. That's pretty easy for most people to do. But if you start breaking it down the way English is and, and, and their soccer teams, it turns into pretty much neighborhoods or, or towns that are like an exit off the highway and then two exits down is the next huge soccer club that has its big friggin' fan base just as big as yours. And again, if you're, if you're part of a background, a family that like, hey, we had to work for everything we had and blah, 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 and that's who you identify with, and now you're playing a soccer team that identifies with something completely different in a town that's completely different, and they're also in your backyard, there's a reason why there's security guards up and down the stairs. We'll respect this. this is, it's the Warriors. Yeah, exactly. Literally the Warriors, you know? And th- that right there, that is what, that's what drives me to the side of it being... Ah, shit, man. The dark side of it. Where, like, even... This is where my brain goes, okay? The United States government is its own separate corporation. Each single state is its own separate government in itself. So the state of Pennsylvania is its own separate government. That's why when you hear of all this shit not getting done, or why does it seem like nothing's happening or whatnot? Because there's so much going on on the local side to the state side, to the federal side, that they're all separate from each other. And people think that they all work together. They really don't. (laughs) So the state of Pennsylvania is working against the federal government while also with the federal government at the same time. Right. So the state of Pennsylvania could literally at any point in time decide that it wants to become its own sovereign, sovereign state. And there are laws and different rules and regulations on that that would ultimately put you and I or some people in places of it's time to bear arms and decide to go up against the rest of the fucking country. That's the kind of shit that we deal with on a regular basis. So for me, having a, a town as big as Pittsburgh and a town as big as Philadelphia that dislike each other. Right. You're just building on that divide and conquer narrative of, well, I couldn't, I couldn't bear arms with that person. They're, they're a fucking Philly fan, right? You know, that's where, like, that's where England, yeah. England and London and that whole situation has been so fucking good at keeping their people so oppressed for so many damn years, right? Because they have so many damn football teams, yeah, that it's just. It's chaos to the point where people don't even like their one city over because we both we both want to get to the next level of the fucking English Premier League. Yeah. No, I I I can see that. Now I I would also, you know, beg to say that I'm sure there's some people and and again it's it's the people that choose to want to be like that are the people who are going to be like that. So if you walk into a pub and you're in London and there's a fan from one club and a fan from another, and they're sitting down and they're drinking and they're watching a random game and they start talking and realize who they're fans of. I don't think someone's going to break their glass and slit the guy's throat. Like that's not going to happen. So I still think there's a decision to be made and some people will choose to be a piece of shit the whole time. Like what's the, uh, 
you'll know this. The um, what's the dude from um, uh, Lord of the Rings? Frodo. Or- Frodo. Elijah Wood in the soccer movie, um, Green Street Hooligans. Yeah. So what's, can you, can you maybe talk about that for 30 seconds? You know, the movie, uh, right? Green Street Hooligans. Actually, this is one of the things I thought about for this exact question was just in Green Street Hooligans for anyone watching what essentially is happening is there's people who are going specifically to soccer games to fight. Like that is what they're there for. They're there to watch soccer, but they're there to F up the next city specifically. And they're going to fight at some point. And so it's that's like tradition. It's based off uh, West Ham, West Ham United. That's exactly who Lester plays today, which is funny. I think the juxtaposition of like these people going to fight, but they're all like their like whole thing is like the bubbles they blow before every game. Like they're known for these bubbles, and they all sing the bubble song. <laughs> the whole movie is just based off them beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> Sometimes it gets really bad, like horrible. What was the premise that like he like doesn't he like they, they get a draw like they're in a tournament and they get a draw and they're facing like their like big rival club they haven't faced in a hundred years and he's trying to like break into like the mold of like you know this this club or or the supporter group so he has to try to prove himself because they're actually going to aside from the soccer game like there's gonna be this huge gang brawl that happens outside of the game or something of the sort. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, it's like a big game happening. There's a coming of age story happening. And there's like brotherhood community, but they also have the rivalry, this in-group, out-group tribalism happening, which is exactly what we're talking about. And I won't say a spoiler alert, but it gets intense is the spoiler alert. It's vague and as specific as I'll get. It would have been a good movie to watch before this discussion, but it's worth watching for your time for sure, because it's exactly what you're saying. Like the, the tribalism basis, especially of that, where you have so much, so much, angst built up between communities and some of these clubs that you're able to identify with in your community and realizing that like, again, you know, if, if the North side of the city and the South side of the city hate each other, that's how condensed these clubs are. So not only can you identify at that club, it just gives you a reason to want to go after these people with like gang type uh, backgrounds. It's, it's really, yeah, it's really right up the alley of what you're talking about. Yeah. Which is not to say that I don't like sports. <laughs> it's definitely, it's definitely not. It's just, to me, it's just like, I feel like it it would be fantastic for people to be able to sit here and say like no, I see exactly what these guys are talking about. But doesn't change the fact that I'm still going to continue to enjoy sports. However, I have a different awareness now when I go to a, a team game or I now feel like I can go into Philadelphia and go see a Penguins game against the Flyers in Philly. Like yeah. Dude, there was a long time when I was just like, I have no desire to fucking go there to right. go to a game and then get into it with someone, especially not going with your ass to a game out there. Yeah. So that's where you could talk about, you know, a little bit of there was a question about it. So, you know, I, I think the thought process there is also I think there's a way of just like when you when you play the game you're able to remove yourself from the situation after the fact. I'll always tell the story of going to one of the COVID penguin playoff games. Uh, we played the Islanders who I absolutely hate because they are a trash stuff. organization. They are, they are, they are built off of their entire history is built off of playing dirty hockey. They've never won anything doing it. I think one, maybe one Stanley cup in the nineties. I'd have to go back and look. Doesn't matter. Trash organization, trash hockey, garbage league. Doesn't matter. 
And I'm, we went to this game against the Islanders in the playoffs and they're being dirty and they don't know how to win a hockey game with skill. So they had to beat the crap out of your team. And uh, the guy who's known best for that on the Islanders, he's still there is Matt Martin. And now I work for said hockey team uh, currently. So this changes where I'd be now. But back before I worked for said hockey team, I was okay with sitting down very close to the ice. No one's there. It's, it's a COVID hockey game. So there's probably 3,000 people in the entire arena. So they can hear every word you're saying. And, um, you know, if I were to see Matt Martin on the street in no fashion, would I go, oh, dude, fuck you. Blah, blah, you know, I wouldn't, I would never. That's just me. But when you're in that realm and it's game four of the playoffs and Matt Martin's skating to you between commercial breaks and you know he can hear you, <laughs> he makes eye contact with you and you take your mask down and you go, hey, Matt Martin. Hey, Matt Martin. And he looks at you and you go, fuck you. And he just laughs and skates off. There's something to be said about that being, you know, uh, a little unruly, but also probably understood that in those 60 minutes, you're trying to get one up on the guy that you're competing with, whether you're a fan or a player on the ice. And then after the fact, you can leave it be. But but I think that's that, that's the uh, the decision you have to make as a human being is like, there is understanding of being in that fashion, I think America, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, you should be a family friendly atmosphere. Like when you go to a Riverhound soccer game, like they pride themselves on fan, family friendly. Now our supporter group can, can be, you know, um, competitive to say the least sometimes, but in no fashion have they ever gotten like verbal or physical altercations. It has literally never happened. So there's a decision to be made. And I think in America, that decision has ultimately been made outside of, you know, almost borderline blackout drunk people. Like you ever notice when fights happen on, on TikTok, it's also the same guy who's making a, a stack of beer cups. You know, there's always a huge, there's 50 oh, beer yeah, cans yeah. everywhere. So those people are borderline blackout drunk when they get in these altercations, in my opinion, at least not saying every single one, but alcohol does fuel that a lot. With that being said, I mean, I think there is that decision in the U.S. to like maybe have this as a, a place where you can pass it down from generation to generation. You want to share this with your kid, just like my dad took me to baseball games. I want to take my kid to a baseball game. And you want to create that atmosphere that allows generations to continue to enjoy you know, what you're putting out there uh, as far as enjoying sports as an individual and as your family. There's something to be said about that for sure. But, you know, I, I think there's other times where depending on the teams based off like territory or region, you know, I could, I could be comfortable going to any football game uh, outside of like Cleveland and Cincinnati and Baltimore. And then you got to think twice, you know, like, do I really want to make that trip? Like I'll probably be fine, but God forbid one drunk asshole says something the wrong way. And I just can't help myself. And, 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 you know, my temper gets the best of me. And all of a sudden you get pulled into something. Cause that's usually what's going to happen. Uh, not to say I would, but that's where a random person could just make a decision to go and then all of a sudden find themselves lost in uh, in a situation they don't want to be in. But I think in the U.S. there's a conscious decision to be, you know, a, a little more inviting. But it still does happen a lot. And, and it's something that I think it's based off more territorial. And those rivalries that you mentioned, no matter how far apart we're spreading, you know, state to state across an entire turnpike. But I still think it's there. It's just a decision to be made. Oh, without a doubt. I, I met a badass dude from down south. His name is Gather. And uh, his brother Hunter. 
Thanks, sir. That was also real name. <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> he was he was super cool, man. He was telling me all about like the different rivalries down there, and he's like. You want to go find the hottest chicks in the SEC? You go to Ole Miss, right? Ole Miss. We didn't even talk about college game. football, dude. Talk about college football. And he was cracking me the fuck up, man. You want to go there? Now look, we don't ever go to Tuscaloosa because we tell we tell everybody flush twice because it's a long way to Tuscaloosa. <laughs> He's an Auburn fan, okay? What a G. Yeah, he said flush twice because it's a long way to Tuscaloosa. (laughs) (laughs) Everything dumps out of the Mississippi, you know, so it's got to run through Tuscaloosa first. (laughs) And he cracked me up. He goes, if if you want to have a kick-ass time, you go to LSU. Don't ever wear the opposing team's colors. Uh, If you go to LSU and you wear purple and yellow... You will have the best time of your fucking life. Those people will get you more drunk, more fed than any place around. Just don't wear the opposite team colors or they will beat the fuck out of you. That's what he said. (laughs) (laughs) He said, no one goes to any of the big cities in Alabama. Yeah. You don't fuck around in you don't fuck around in Montgomery. You don't fuck around in Birmingham. You just stay out of those. Honestly, dude, I've been I've been told a lot of southern states. Like, stay the fuck out of the cities. Like, uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, I've been told to stay out of Little Rock, Arkansas. And we drove through Little Rock when it was pitch black at night, and it looked so badass. They have this big, massive uh, concrete structure that they built, like, a Little Rock into. They got it all lit up with, like, LED lights and shit. Looks so cool. I was like, man, Little Rock would be a badass place to stay sometime. Go down to Arkansas for a project. Those guys tell me, don't fuck around in Little Rock. You'll... Walk out with a six pack and six stab wounds, and I'm like, "What the fuck? Like, holy <laughs> shit! Like, they're like, none of us in this area go to any city after ten o'clock, and even getting towards ten o'clock is pushing it." I'm like, "Fucking a, man!" Like, he that gather guy asked me, he's like, "You carry a gun?" I'm like, "No." He goes, "Man, you must really trust people." And I was like, "I just don't know if I come from the same place you come from." Like, yeah, you know, like up here, like yeah, we know not to fuck around in like certain areas at at night, but like, it's not like it's not like you feel like you can't be in the city. You know what I mean? Like, how many times have we rode our bike at midnight? Like, right, just cruising through the city. Like, there's other cities <laughs> where you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> like that's crazy to me to think that like a sporting event would end it in end in an evening where you would end up having to walk through a city or want to like experience the city and there are towns where you literally just don't even want to fuck around in yeah i think pittsburgh might could be that town but i think as far as sports go like i don't think you're getting a lot of Pittsburghers starting shit with people that come into their city. I think Pittsburgh likes smelling its own farts too much as far as like we really enjoy being that town that identifies the sport so much that when people come from out of town here, we want to show off how great we are. So we deflect away from that stuff. It doesn't happen very often, dude. I go to enough baseball games. I'm at every single hockey game. I go to every football game and I work every soccer game. So I'm at three of the four major teams, I'm at every game. 
And I don't see it really ever as far as like opposing teams go. You know? It's no, it's the truth. Like, like and I go to an up baseball games where Pittsburgh sports. No, I just I make a living doing it. Two of those three, I make Bob a Pompiani. I'm coming for your damn job. I'm not Bob Pompiani. <laughs> I get I get paid to be at those places. So you jag offs. Well, you don't pay either because you know me. But realistically, <laughs> yeah, you just use all that money to fucking buy food. So. With that being said, I think I think we enjoy having, you know, a welcoming atmosphere so much that it doesn't happen here. We rather fight with each other, to be honest with you. <laughs> there I've seen I this is one hundred percent truth. I've seen more Steeler fans fight with Steeler fans than I have seen Steeler fans fight with opposing teams. One hundred percent. We've all, we would also rather sit in the Facebook comments and try to get on Mikey and Big Bob right. on Monday fucking morning. Oh, dude, I try to get to the Post Malone. Yeah. <laughs> Give me those 8 a.m. tickets. Yeah. No, so I, I think I think there is still a sense of community. Like, we come from such a town that identifies the sports so much that it has a worldwide reach. There are people that identify with teams here from you know countries and people that have never been here yeah there's like a marketing agreement the pittsburgh Steelers signed with the country of ireland like we're going to end up playing games in ireland like they are going to be we are pretty much the football team of ireland which is pretty cool and like that's i mean that's because the nfl is spreading its wings even further we're also probably the football team of like mexico and three other countries people say mexico likes the raiders or the cow but that's not true mexicans love the fucking steelers dude hell yeah but that being all said, huh? He, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, he played for the Ravens. We don't like him anymore. <laughs> so, I mean, with all that being said, I think the community sense in our city and then, you know, as much as others too, I, I think it does give people a, a way to, to feel a sense of like pride in where they're from. I definitely believe that. So there is, there are positives to it. Uh, as far as, you know, I'm sure Philadelphia Eagles fans, they are just, they might have not have the global reach that like the Steelers do just for whatever reason. seems like Pittsburgh is, is like a, uh, it's like a, you know, a junction almost like people are always coming in and out. People leave Pittsburgh to go travel somewhere else and people leave, you know, their places to come back to Pittsburgh because of work or whatever it may be. So there's always people coming in and out of Pittsburgh. It's, it's the way it is. You know, Philadelphia, I think, has maybe a, a more stronghold on their population. People who are there stay there. And I think the pride is definitely still there for sure. And it gives people from a very early age a sense of community and belonging and wanting to identify with something they see positive. And I think that helps build positive characteristics for sure when you take away all the negatives. So it, as I said three times now, it's it's a choice in taking the positive things that are there and leaving the negative aside. There's always room for negative in anything we do, but I think there is a lot of positivity to be had based off of, you know, your upbringing, making sure that the the people that are taking you to sporting events as a as a child, you know, instill the right positive things, kind of remove yourself from the situation. I think that's why the the understanding of like, you know, the belonging or the the family-friendly atmosphere or whatever it is is so important to U.S. sports is because people wanted to share that with their generation and make sure that the positives of that come out and not the negatives. Yeah, I think geography goes into a huge play into it as well. You know, because look at the size of Pittsburgh versus the size of Philly. You know, the geography yeah. of where the teams are actually at. Like, 
Chicago situation. Chicago is a massive effing city compared to Pittsburgh, where there are going to be, just like Philadelphia is a massive city compared to Pittsburgh. It is. Philadelphia is huge compared to Pittsburgh. So that opens up where all of the economy came through certain areas in that town and just absolutely devastated those areas because yeah, within the last 15 years, we've seen it absolutely crush the small town. Small town America has become fuck, almost a thing of the past. Yeah. You know, whereas you see it in like cities itself. Like you can see in Pittsburgh right now, how much money they're pumping in into the strip district, but how much money they're not pumping into a different place that is turning into a ghetto. If that's the correct word to use. Right. Right. You know, so I think a bigger city like Philadelphia has that potential to have a lot of those negative pockets or where that darkness sits more, you know, or the negativity, I guess. And that ultimately stems out to these teams because I want to still go see the sports events of the day, or I'm a huge fucking football fan, but and whatnot. And you go to these, I just feel like there's a lot of opportunity for the negative in those bigger demographic cities. Yes. Whereas like a city like Boston to me is that's a rich town. It's a Harbor town. It's all, got all these big ass yachts and shit pulling into it. The area in which like the sports are aren't even in Boston. <laughs> uh, for instance, uh, Foxborough is literally forty five minutes to an hour south of Boston. That's gonna be the that's gonna be the future too. I'd bet next Steeler Stadium. I'd, I'd be a betting man that that stadium is not inside the city limits of Pittsburgh. No, I'd bet you about all the money I, I could bet on one single thing. 15, 20 years out, they're going to rebuild Heinz Field before they build a new stadium. Like they're going to go through probably the next two or three years. They're going to use that that good old extra money on uh, on kind of rebuilding Heinz Field because it was never really built to a high level. And you can see some of the new stadiums now being built out. But when you get down the line and say another 20 years, they're going to put Heinz Field in somewhere like uh, Washington County or Butler County or Fayette County. Right in the middle of yeah, yeah, and then, and then it'll be a toll road. Yeah, I gotta just, I gotta just walk to the games. Yeah, no, it's gonna be you're gonna have a casino splat right on top of it, and there's gonna be a whole, a whole media pocket of like it's gonna be, you might even fucking just name it Steeler Town, Pennsylvania. It might just be a whole. You could build a whole town around the Pittsburgh Steelers. They could absolutely do that, but the way it sits now, just with the casino in close proximity, whatever it may be, it's a good location. I'd be hesitant to say they're in a hurry to get out of there, but to build out like a whole football based community they could definitely do it if anyone could they right next to the tanger outlets yeah <laughs> they have a casino right there they could already they could honestly build it like one street ever i see it being somewhere between beaver and washington along the new toll road that actually makes a ton of sense near All the out near the airport the, right yeah, near the airport right you don't even have to airport. come in the city yeah yeah I see it being somewhere out in that area because there's so much land that they're building ah, right near now. the cracker plant. Are you, well, yeah, 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 sort of, sort of, yeah. Between that, yeah, I think that is Allegheny County too. So they'd still any money about. Well, that would be the big. To the city. 
Right, that would be the biggest thing is the tax money that comes in because we're all paying for Heinz Field still to this day, as well as PPG Paints Arena, as well as PNC Park. Right. So there is that to be said. They don't want to give up that sweet, sweet Allegheny County-based revenue. So you'd have to be conscious of where you put it. But I still think there is a reason why they'd want to move out of the city because most teams are just like, you know, Boston has, they just don't have the plot of land to put Gillette Stadium, to be honest. There's a lot of historical landmarks and a lot of places you can't just dig out like you did Heinz Field. But I'd be interested to see if, I, I think, I'd have to think hard about other teams that are, are that far out. I know there's a few, like uh, the Dolphins. Hard Rock Stadium is nowhere close to Miami. I went to that music festival there two years and we stayed in South Beach and it's a 45 minute drive with traffic to get the uh, Hard Rock Stadium. And that's because of the the land, the land yeah. usage. It's just not there in most cities. And I'd be shocked as Pittsburgh continues to expand if that's going to be the case. They want to keep that stadium there. They're developing the north side too. So like that edge of north side, they're starting to gentrify. So yeah. they're not going to have all that property. They're not going to have parking. They're not going to have anything. Like that's the same thing with like the, the Penguins Arena, they're running out of room. Every you're you're running out of room for sure. I think Penguins is a perfect example. That's probably one of the best worst examples because like there's nowhere left to go. As soon as you leave that stadium, there's yeah. nowhere to develop. It wouldn't shock me if they combined football and baseball stadiums back together in the future too. In Pittsburgh, uh, I don't see that. You happening. don't think so? I don't see that happening. But I definitely see them putting. Uh, I definitely see them moving to a Robinson. Or a, a beaver, like the stadiums themselves. I, think I P- see them pulling them out of this city without a doubt. I think PNC Park is there forever. I don't. I don't think the Pirates will leave the city. I think. I think. P- I think the Pirates will stay in the city regardless. I think they can make a because if you move them out of the city, no one gives a fuck. No, you know? no, that I agree with that. But the football team, they could put anywhere. They yeah. put the football team in Youngstown, Ohio, and people would still go. Yeah. <laughs> Star Lake. Oh, that'd be kind of, dude, that Star would be kind of cool, honestly. That would be the move. Traffic would be a nightmare. That's the issue you got to think of. You know, the toll road would be great, but 60,000 people, nine Sundays out of the year, uh-uh. There's a reason Getting why. Burgettstown exit. Oh, my God, bro. Dude, people would be lining up at midnight. So you have to think about that infrastructure-wise, where the hell you put that stadium. You'd be able to, you'd be able to change that whole off-ramp there and... You have so much room right there at Star Lake. I'm just yeah. saying, no, they're not going to change Star Lake. No, anyway. Star Lake is Star Lake. On a side note, I kind of want to pull back and highlight some of the positive things because we went down the rabbit hole. Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I have on number one and number three, I have some good questions. But number one, our question was, what are some ways sports bring people together? And I'm just kind of rapid fire. You don't have to rapid fire. Take your time, Blair. You guys just pick out whatever things resonate and then say, yeah, uh, I fuck with that and just go off on it. Um, playing the game itself. I fuck with that. Pick up games, the neighborhood kids, you know, getting together with camaraderie, getting kids from different neighborhoods, different schools. Sometimes it offers a new person, some kind of refugee. Derek can definitely uh, vouch I was the new kid at one point. Yeah. And I played football. It was awesome. It gave me a bridge to kind of start to get to know everyone and continue to build relationships can offer a home. Sometimes it's a good family provides a second home. And sometimes it could be that family you wish you had. Um, sometimes it can challenge barriers and fundamental or man-made differences, you know, between neighborhoods or just groups of classes of people can rekindle old nostalgia between groups of people say, you know, 
Ryan's dad just went to visit our old football coach at a funeral because he passed away. But all these people who haven't seen each other in like 30 years, maybe more, got to see each other. Um, has potential to spark some romance. There's like friction. Derek and I played co-ed soccer. When you got hormones bouncing, like you definitely are <laughs> checking out the girls. They're checking you out. Uh, community, <laughs> communities of parents, teachers, bar patrons, uh, tailgaters, people have no interest in football until the Super Bowl comes, which becomes some people and families pre-Easter celebration. Um, and then you have people like me who don't ever watch gymnastics, ice skating, swimming, or track until the Olympics come on. Then all of a sudden that inner patriot comes out for Team USA, USA. And there's plenty of people who do that, and I think that's, you know, not a bad thing to bandwagon. But, you know, I think there's a lot of good that come of it. Those are some of the good things. But the other thing I wanted to bring up, which is our number three question, is that sense of community and belonging. And I think just by having a well-kept baseball field, soccer field, Derek and I know about Northside Soccer Field. Thank you, Luke Ravenstall, for making that shit. Amen. Um... But just having a good field, like in the north side, changes the neighborhood. Yeah. Like it changes the whole dynamic. That soccer field on the north side is one of the best gifts to the north side that we could ever ask for. I completely agree. There is not, there wasn't a good place for city kids to play any type of sport. There wasn't a good field. The best field we had was down near AGH where you and I would play. Or uh, what was the John Mary or whatever it was? Yeah. that Yeah. John Morrow. John Morrow yeah. Um, Mary was the football, but regardless, like those are like parks that just really were okay, but we didn't have anything like Riverview and that's like the, uh, the penguins too. There's not name a sheet of ice to go play hockey on in the city of Pittsburgh. There isn't one. There's literally, there's PPG paints arena. There is not another sheet of ice to play hockey on the city of Pittsburgh. Unless you go to like NA or Cranberry. That's that's like, that's like two city limits of city limits of Pittsburgh. There's not a sheet of ice to play hockey on. You have to leave the city limits. That's why. The Hunt Armory was such a big deal because they put a ton of privately funded money into putting a sheet of ice in the city of Pittsburgh because that's a huge deal for inner city kids. Never ha- I never had that opportunity. Hockey was my favorite sport. I wish I had the opportunity to play hockey. I never did. And that's because there's not accessibility there. So I, I agree with a lot of those points, like the camaraderie and growing and, and friends. You know, two the, my two best friends outside of you two are my best friends because I played sports with them from the second I started freshman year. Actually, previously, John, I went to summer training for the soccer team. Before school even started, I met John. And then within two weeks, he dragged me to rowing and I met Ryan. And for four years, those are, are two of my three best friends in high school. So, you know, and the other, only other, other one was the kid I knew since sixth grade. So like, football. yeah, exactly. From football. I met him before he even came to our school because we played sports together. So that in itself, I think, drives really positive outlooks on on where sports can be a good influence for sure. I think you go through a lot of shit, too. Like, you, not only, I think one of the good things is you go through, like, preparing for war. Like, sometimes, like, that pre-summer, I bet you condition, like, crazy. You go through that battle. It's almost like boot camp, how boot camp, you know, anybody who doesn't understand the premise of it is, like, one, prepare you, but two... You know, you're also break down the person, but you're also going through hell together. And through going through hell, then you come out with a bond. Um, but I think a lot of times we go through hell in our sports preparation during the game, adapting, relying on each other. You need to have someone dependable, and whenever those relationships thrive, 
it becomes something that lasts like years and years. Like, like I know Tit and I, we don't ever really play like sports out in public anymore, but you can definitely bet your ass. Like we're still like teammates. Like, yeah. If that makes sense. That makes complete sense. That come that camaraderie that you build can definitely last for several, several years to come. And I think it's a good influence as far as, um, you know, people that might not have keeping a you know tracker. Every time I say you know, I write it down. It's positive reinforcement for me to not use filler words. <laughs> so let me be people. I'm okay. Um, coaches. I think coaches are a huge factor. Like I think that you could all three of us probably name at least one coach they had growing up that had some type of positive influence aside from what you were getting at home. I know my rowing coach, I just told Doe the story of um, screw him because realistically the thought process there was there were four or five seniors, five four-year seniors on the rowing team, three boys, two girls, two girls and two boys are named captains of the rowing team. One guy wasn't, and that was me. And I'm like, what the fuck? Why would you have four five-year seniors or five four-year seniors and name four of them captains of the team and just leave one out? Mostly because the coach knew all the families of everybody and my dad just didn't give a shit. Like, shout out my dad. I, I don't need him, you know, kissing ass to get me some type of status. And he never did. My dad showed up at every race. He was not an ass kisser and, and neither am I. And I take that positively. But, you know, without all being said, I was obviously not happy. And he said, you know, what's funny is I actually went through the same exact thing I just put you through. He's like, well, I can be perceived as an asshole. And could I have made a different decision? Yes. He's like, but what I will tell you is you don't need status or recognition or anything to prove to yourself who you are and, and what you bring to the table. Like some people need these accolades to prove their worth or whatever they are. So you, do you really need that in your life? And it makes you consider, you know, different lessons like that. I still think he probably could have just named me a captain and, and left it aside. But those are things where, you know, you get into your career or whatever it may be and you start realizing, oh, these people need to talk about themselves all this much to, you know, they, they need to outwardly express how great they are. And this isn't against anyone who was named captain. They're again, two of my best friends, a girl I've known since preschool and, you know, a girl I still know today. Um, but on the other side, you know, these people may need, you know, reassurance or whatever it may be, or, or positive reinforcement on what they're doing because their work doesn't speak for themselves. Would you rather be a person who lets their work speak for themselves or lets other people speak for the work that they do? Well, that that's where all this, that's where I love talking about the positive side of all this, because I truly do believe that the sports and the camaraderie and the competition and all that kind of stuff does wonders for your personal like self-development without a doubt. And just the years that you can like cram into like even just being someone who played sports, you could even say until high school, yeah, like playing little league stuff and all that different kind of stuff because you made friends for high school from the sports that you played. Let's, I mean, the people who you hung out with predominantly were the people who you played the sports with. So that right there, just utilizing tools like that to bring together different kids who might not have met each other through just class. Right. Yeah. I think there's so much room for personal development without a doubt. Yeah. I think that's what makes this such a positive thing. 
that it makes me feel like, whoa, why you why do you always see such the negative? And I'm just like, fuck, man. No, and it gives you it gives <laughs> I think it, I think it gives you as a, a you know someone of the youth too, like a, a, an ability to see someone outside of class. Like it's hard to gauge someone who someone really is in the you know 45 minutes you spend in a class where you're quietly and all I have to judge off Brandon is the answers he gives a teacher or, or how he acts so you know outside of that like that camaraderie or like when shit hits the fan like how do you act or like how are you there for another person or whatever it may be and it gives more opportunity to actually grow with somebody well yeah because when you were back in grade school it was you like to play with cars or you like to play with dinos and if they like to play with dinos and you like to play with dinos too, you were friends. Yep. However, you start to grow up and you start to like see that there's many different levels and facets to people. And you're like, I like Jurassic Fury personally. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I think, yeah, I, I, you hit the nail on the head. It, it also, it also opens up those positive situations of the like a trust fall, mm-hmm. you know? Like, oh, I can count on these people if I'm falling, you know, or yeah. if something's going down. Like, I know that I can lean on these people right. who are my friends or who are my teammates or my family, you know? Yeah. I think there's something really awesome to build off that. I have it in my notes about Remember the Titans, but I think this is one of the, one of the best moments of Remember the Titans is whenever Gary Bertier, a.k.a. the All-American linebacker, whenever he calls out his best friend for not blocking and he kicks him off the team. I think that it gives me, I don't, I don't actually have a little bit of goosebumps because I played football and like this Titty, you know exactly what this is like. If you have somebody you can't rely on that, that person is worse than the person on the other team. Cause at least that other person has the nobility. But if there's somebody who's not pulling their weight on your team, right. they're actually going to harm you in the process that person's no good to you. Yeah. Anyone who hasn't seen Remember the Titans, there's a guy not blocking for their most important player, you know, the guy that is the most vulnerable. That's kind of synecdoche for life. You're protecting that most vulnerable person who's like the most skilled player on your team. And then that person gets hurt. So then your protector, your linebacker, comes up to him as the captain and says, you're out, man. Yeah. No, I can't, I can't trust you. I can't rely on you. You're no good to me get off the team and it was like you're really gonna abandon our friendship and it's like hell yeah man like you're not like you're not pulling your weight you're putting the rest of us in danger you're out of the group classic in group out group yeah you were in now you're out like but i think that whenever you said trust fall i thought that's like the perfect example is like there is something to be said about those really deep bonds about being able to count on somebody 100 percent and have full faith yeah, full faith that they'll be there for you at that moment. Yeah, you're running as a machine at that point. If you turn your car on and one one part of your engine isn't holding its weight, then your engine doesn't run. Spark plugs. Right. Yeah, if you're not if you're not pulling your weight as a spark plug, then the car ain't running. So you have to remove that spark plug and put something else in there. But it is the truth. It's it's something where you have to have full faith that every single cog in the wheel is going to do its job. And if you don't have that faith, then the machine isn't going to run. That's where the sports can literally build even uh, as long as it's the healthy competition that builds on that capability of like, yes, we are all a part of this team. 
We all trust each other. We openly are competing against that other team there. That's, you know, that camaraderie of being able to compete against each other cleanly, fairly. One becomes the victor, you know, but it's not out of, it's more out of a respect thing, you know, where it's like you have the respect for getting your ass whooped. <laughs> yeah. I just think that's, that's a problem. Like we, the validation, you know, like everyone gets a participation trophy. Like yeah. where are the, where are the things that we think could be like, bring the negativity out. You know what I mean? Like, Everybody getting a participation trophy to me is like, oh, yeah, yay. We want to make everybody feel like they were included. But at the same token, yeah, like, no. you know what I mean? So right. like, what are things that we can think of right now off the top of our head that like might seem like a good idea or might seem like it's like building something? But like, I think it could actually do detriment. Like the participation trophy is one for me. I think that there's two things on that line that are really helpful to think about. And I think one of them two of them or it's coming down to like coaching slash parenting and i think one of them is whenever a good example whenever i was probably in about like sixth or seventh grade i remember one kid didn't show up and we beat this team really bad but it was like a team we shouldn't have beat and i joked i was like well maybe that kid's bad luck <laughs> <laughs> and we all had to run <laughs> and i was like sorry guys and they're like it's okay brandon but like it was a joke but my coach he understood and he made it apparent like no you don't say that i don't care if it's a joke you don't make it uh it was giuseppe's dad who yeah. made me run um but you don't yeah. add insult to injury yeah you don't you don't do that like we we won you're supposed to be proud of that but you don't be like a like a poor winner you gotta actually like hold like some kind of standard and don't talk about your teammates that way right. and i think it's when you mentioned the participation trophy i thought about it i've had so many thoughts around the participation trophy i think it's <laughs> hilarious i think the worst part of it is so i'm on the other side of the fence full disclosure i'm a believer in participation trophies but under the right structure yeah i think it's supposed to be a structured thing you don't get it for signing up for the team and then get at the end of the season. I think um, James Harrison had no business really putting it on Instagram. Hey, I stripped my kid of this participation trophy. Now give me one. Everyone give me a pat on the back for <laughs> teaching my kid a lesson. It's like, no. And then why don't I two years later tell Le'Veon Bell not to practice and play so he can get a higher contract? It's like, no, don't do that. Tell him to go get his ass in the game, get his ass in the uniform, and win us the Super Bowl with the three Bs. Yeah. And then... It went on to James Harrison get really mad and upset because he was getting old and wasn't getting in the game as much. And then he got really outspoken about it. It was like, sure, fair point. But, like, you realize we're trying to win the Super Bowl. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess so. But, right. But uh, that comes back to what's the point for me. For me, I think participation trophies, I was getting them at the end of seasons. So I think mine came at a very... It came with an important message. You show up to the game. You show up to every practice. You work every practice. You show up. You do something. And at that level, there wasn't a championship game to be had. So the best you have is 
you practice, work your heart heart out, your co- coach keeps you accountable, and that thing is a carrot at the end of the road. But you don't get that carrot just for signing up for the team. You got to come to every game, come to every practice, work hard, and then you get this carrot at the end. But I think, I think we kind of have a ruined James Harrison approach on it, which I respect the hell out of James Harrison. He will whoop my ass. He's one of the hardest working NFL players to ever step on the field. But I think he kind of ruined the whole participation, like give me a cookie just for showing up. And I think it's kind of bastardized the concept because I've got something at the end of every year. And I tell you what, Derek and I, whenever we got, we got jackets for our seventh grade, that thing, I, the only thing I did to earn that was show up to every practice, work my heart out. <laughs> but we did not ever win like a golden bowl until we left. We had a, we had a championship game with just our top rival. Yeah. And we would play them. I think we had more penalties than touchdowns. And Easily. Easily. But, yeah, so like... Remember, they wouldn't shut like limos in the Golden Bowl. Like, they didn't would make it like... Yeah. Definitely, we took a limo to the Golden yeah, Bowl. And then we got our ass kicked. <laughs> you know what? That year, we got a sweater. <laughs> Dude, we looked so cool. But, uh, yeah, we... That... Have you have you built participation trophies for yourself in your life now, though? Oh God, as oh, an man. adult. Yeah, that's that's. So, I don't like that question, bro. I definitely have given like, myself rewards prematurely. Yeah, 100%. or like a like like my like I know my my job is very simple. Like I have to sell things. So like, if I don't sell things, like there is a amount of work output that is very uh, metric based that I can look at and say. Did I hit that number of phone calls or outbound outreach today? Yep, did it. Didn't sell anything. At least I did that. I'm going to go home and you know, <laughs> watch Netflix now. So yes, absolutely. But I think some days like there's the understanding of while the participation trophy could be seen as negative, there is a lot to be said about just showing up. A lot of people just don't even want to show up. Yeah. You know, and I think that's 99% of the battle is is removing the the emotion from it and removing it to the point where it's just a disciplined act. So I think if you can discipline yourself enough to go through that action, then you should actually deserve some type of, you know, self-given pat on the back. Because as an adult, it's really hard to get up and do the same fucking thing every day. I'm not taking anything away from that. No, I'm just being honest. You don't always get rewards for that. You're mundane every day. If you have a win... You might just be like, all right, guess I get to drive home now. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, well, I guess that was just another Wednesday. I'll be back at it tomorrow. We'll just try to win again. And if we win again, I'll drive home tomorrow. Yeah, I know that I was in a place for a while of just like, oh, you know, I'll, if I make it through work, I'll come home, smoke a bowl, and every time will be, it'll, it'll be all right, you know? And it's just <laughs> like, it just, that leads to... Like for me, that self pat on the back of making it through another day ends up leading to a detrimental thing. Like, oh, I think this is great for me. Like, because it's my right. like little yay. That's what I like to do, you know. And then yeah. it's just like, oh well, now you've go- accomplished nothing, and it is seven thirty in the evening, and like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like I can, I immediately when I think about that, I kind of segues into another point I have where sports can be seen as, as negative or have a negative influence outside of that would be like the participation trophy would be that 
my brother was forced to play sports because my dad saw it as something to inflict positive influence on his life. And again, he's not wrong because there are ways when you accept that there are ways to perceive it. Now, my brother did not give a shit about any of that. Right. So the the participation trophy he got just because he showed up for something he didn't want to do in the first place did not mean a single thing. All it meant was, thank God that's over. <laughs> <laughs> that, that wasn't a participation. That is the, the thank God it's over trophy. You yeah. know, I made it through this. I guess I can do things that I don't want to do. So I guess there may be a little bit of positivity in that. But I also think that's where sports can be negative. There are so many other creative outlets that you can still build camaraderie with or show yourself different lessons as a youth where sports don't need to be that influence. You don't need to force sports as a basis of influence on somebody just because you think it's going to inflict positive um, experiences onto them as a child because it can easily turn into being negative. You're just saying, you know, this kid who wants to, hey, you're going to play indoor soccer because it's good for you. And that kid's over in the corner playing hopscotch by himself with the balls rolling by him. That kid probably doesn't need to be playing sports. There's probably other ways he can creatively, you know, help himself. And yeah, <laughs> but no, it's true. And I, I think that's something to consider is, well, sports can be positive when it's something that you want and, and any kid should maybe like you know a five-year-old playing soccer i don't see anything wrong with that like you're getting kids out there and they're socializing and whatever it may be and eventually you can kind of start to tell maybe that's not something they want to do but if you're just you know hey you should do this you can be like this guy don't you like the way this guy does this or whatever and you, you continue to do that it eventually reaches that threshold of being positive to the point where now you're just forcing someone to do what they don't want to do right no 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 i see that fully i i definitely agree with the uh let, let them try every different thing, you right. know, and push them to try every different thing. Because yeah. if you don't push them to try every different thing, then they're not going to try anything once they get older. Correct. But I'm still fucking laughing over the, it's not a participation trophy. Yeah. It's a, yeah. That's fucking over. Yeah, thank <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, God, just crinkled. You know? The, it's finally over, trophy. But, yeah, I mean, no one, I don't think anyone who takes that, that subject seriously of you know a certain sport if that's if that's all they care about and that's all they want then the participation trophy can seem be seen as demeaning you know like oh like i wanted to win why am i just getting a trophy for showing up that wasn't my goal right so there is something that can be seen as the more serious you take it you know there is I, I know my soccer team, when they get sent down to second league soccer here in two hours, they're not getting any kind of promotion or, or I'm sorry, not any type of a participation trophy. They're getting sent to a lower hero soccer. They're getting fucking sent to the shadow realm, dude, for sucking. And that's what they deserve because they get paid more money than any of us will ever make combined. One player makes more money than all three of us will ever make in the 50 years we're generating income in our lives. So yes, they deserve to be cast into the fucking shadow realm and be berated because of it. But when you start to crank it down a little further, yes, I think it's as, as serious as it's taken by yourself and others based off, you know, whatever else it may be combined with that is the fact that like, you know, it, in high school football, I'm sure Brandon didn't want a participation trophy if they didn't win their section or whatever it may be. He didn't care because it's starting to, you're getting to the point of like, right. And that's the furthest high school sports, probably the furthest, the mass majority will take their, their athletic careers. You get into college, you need to start getting looks from different people. They, people need to decide that you're good for you to start playing outside of high school until you get into like, you know, um, playing in rec leagues or whatever it may be. Um, with all that being said though, I, I think there's still something to be said about, you know, participation trophy, having a, a positive manner to a certain extent, until you take it seriously enough where it's that little window that most people have, which is probably 
ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade of, okay, I'm actually taking this seriously because either you're trying to strive for the next level and you actually have a proven ground to do so, or this is your last chance to play this sport competitively. And most people are, you know, are tossed, testosterone up enough, you know, 14 through 18 to go out and actually want to prove themselves and not be shown up as opposed to oh, yeah. Golden Bowl, seventh grade, where you and I are just, people are picking me up and throwing me <laughs> off the sidelines. And I just, woohoo! You know, I can give a shit. I think we were just happy at that time in general for, so I don't know how your grade school worked, but I just know Derek's and mine, my previous incarnation on St. Cyril's, at the end of the year, we would have a dinner, a massive dinner, and then we would, each grade at Cyril's would get something useful. At, at incarnation, you would literally get a trophy at the end of the year, and it would be like, hey, this person played soccer, basketball, football, here you go. And for us, it was like a talisman. But I appreciate what Cyril's did a lot Sports better. Derek did his his school that I came to eventually was a lot cooler in the sense of it would give you something practical that would be like a talisman. So I don't remember what would come before uh, seventh grade, but I remember in seventh grade, that was a big year because you got your jacket. Yeah. The dude, I still have my jacket, dude. I still have it. I think dude, I think what I still a what a way to make you feel like you're a part of something at all. It was a freaking blue and gold windbreaker. That was the creme la creme. And I had all three sports. I had soccer, basketball, football. That was pretty cool. So you at know? that point, it's like a piece of your identity. Like, sure, did we win any championships? No. But we also didn't get any championship trophies. Like, the only time that I got a trophy at ever at St. Cyril's playing any sport was an MVP thing i got an mvp award for one game and then we got a um we actually got a medallion what do you call the medallions uh for the awards i don't know what they're called but good enough yeah medallion you medallion. get one of the medal you get a medal what do you call that thing what do you call the small word for the big word that i'm saying <laughs> how do you say it no uh but yeah we would get we got that the one time whenever we came like second place for a tournament we got a medal for second place and it was it was kind of piss you off at a certain extent those trophies piss you off more than anything right because yeah. we were just like fuck i wanted the first place medal not the second place medal <laughs> <laughs> it is true like even um like rowing for instance the girls for the rowing team in north catholic were in nationals we had a na- two more nationals boats and they finished right around where we did around eight nine eighth ninth place and like you get to that level, especially like your senior year, like that's the last time I'm ever going to row with those guys. It's such a build up, build up, build up. And then all of a sudden it just falls off. I haven't been in a boat since I graduated. That's like how many? That's 12 years. I haven't been in a boat in 12 years. It just fell off. I was doing it every single day for four years. And then yeah. I haven't like I still play soccer every Tuesday. I haven't been in a boat, something I did to a, a such a higher level than soccer. Soccer was we won like five games in four years. Rowing, I was a, I was competing for national championships twice. And you get to that point of like eighth place or whatever, which is, I think, where where we finished eighth fastest boat in the fucking nation, the entire country in high school rowing. That's pretty fucking impressive. But when you get to that level, it's like these goals you're setting for yourself, no matter how old you are. Eighth is not good enough. I didn't get anything for being eighth place at all. I got a medal for being like second or third in the Midwest, whatever it was to qualify. But eighth is not good enough at fucking all. It pisses you off. And then, and then your career is over. So like, you know, it, it takes it to a certain point where 
you know, you start holding yourself accountable for things and, and you're right. Like you, you have to, I think that's where there's still positivity, even like in your career or whatever you do. And, and maybe it doesn't have to be a career if you work in a job that you're not very fond of, but it, it, a lot of people, I don't think, including myself, when I say a lot of people, it means I'm, I'm just talking for myself at least is, is the fact that like, you know, do you, do you challenge yourself enough to still have that drive and that expectation and things that you want for yourself? And the answer for most people is probably not. I think it sometimes comes down to the meaning of all those things too. Is like, I think the coaches and parents have a responsibility during the course of whatever season of whatever sport to explain to you consistently and constantly, like, hey, this is what this means. Because there's going to be so much hardship you go through that's under the surface. And a good example would be at work. A guy who's higher up uh, my, so I have my leads and then my supervisor, and then my supervisor's boss. And that guy came by to me. He goes, hey, I just want to let you know you're doing a great job. He might have had no idea what kind of job I was doing. He might have just came by, and he might have just said, I just want to tell you you're doing a great job. That meant the world to me because I was like, oh, he took time out of his day to come down. I know, and he knows he might not actually be paying attention to what I'm doing. But that was in itself like a participation trophy where yeah. I'm grinding, grinding. The parents and the teachers in that sense might not have any idea what kind of internal turmoil I've gone on in my head. But they come by and they reinforce that. Right. Like By you working hard, I respect that. Keep doing it. And then there's, I'm sure each one of us have had one coach at one point who said something similar along those lines. And then you're just like, all right. You know, I might have actually been like a week away from quitting this sport, but because they came by and like reinforced like, hey, you're doing a great job. It carried you through. Yeah. And I, I think there's still something to be said about the fact that you can carry that into your your personal life, you know, from from the job all the way up to exactly the example you just said, like any job you might have you don't know what people are going through. So realistically, you could have this perception that, you know, this employee is working its ass off, but that employee might be, hey, I got to see how this week goes. And if it doesn't, you know, I, I thought I was cut out for this job, but maybe I'm just not. And, you know, most people don't need that positive reinforcement if they have confidence in themselves. But even I think the most confident person could still, you know, get that pat on the back. Hey, you're doing what we expect of you over like, I can see the effort. I can see what's going on. So, you know, those participation trophies of life where you're not, you know, maybe you're not sales is so easy. Sales is so fucking easy as far as like, you know, considering metrics, like either you're selling things or you're not, we have a whiteboard and it tells you <laughs> either dude, it's, it's either you're calling people or you're not, and either you're selling things or you're not. And that's it. There is nothing. No in between. That's why I like. That's why I like my job. My job. The expectations of my job is very cut and dry. There's no in between or something that fall my way. That does happen, of course. You know, sales is very volatile. Um, you know, this month I had a. I've had a great month. Uh, next month it might be complete shit. The expectation is that I have confidence in myself that I've done it before, so I can do it again. There's going to be bad months. There's going to be good months. I've proven time and time again I'm capable of good months. So continue to get those good months under your belt. And when a bad month comes, just have the expectation. It's still going to come back to you. So maybe you have someone who isn't going through that, or maybe they get a couple bumps on the road or whatever it may be. And the, the understanding of having that, 
that mentor, that coach and, and knowing you're putting in the right effort. Are you doing the right things? If people go through this stuff, you know, that that is needed for sure. I think and a lot of people don't get that positive reinforcement or the people that are capable of giving that positive reinforcement don't understand how important that can be. Just because you don't need it doesn't mean that the person that you're mentoring or coaching doesn't need it either, though. Oh, well, I think Titty hit the nail on the head on why anybody continues doing any of this sports and competition. Yeah. It's for respect. Right. So ultimately, like... If that's what you're doing this all for, or you're someone who continues to strive for the next level or into the next competition or into the next domain of stuff that you could compete at, you're doing it all for more respect. If I I still play Tuesday night soccer, I still ruin my leg. My shoulder is shot. It hurts. So I can't even throw a football properly still. It hurts like hell. But... I show up at soccer and play goalie still. When I play outside the field, I'm whatever. It's just running around. But when I play goalie, it's not because I haven't gotten a concussion, ruined my leg and my shoulder in the last year. I don't just keep showing up because of that. It's because everyone on my team respects what I'm capable of doing for my team. Even if it's just Tuesday night soccer that that I pay to play. I don't even get paid. It's not even free. I pay to do it. But like, you know, there's an understanding like, hey, like, we have two really good goalies. Lenny and I are both very, very good goalies. Lenny's better than me. He's been trained. He's played probably to a higher level than I am. I have for for the lack of training I have received as a goalkeeper, I am exponential. I am fucking spectacular compared to the amount of training I've gone through. I've never been told how to play goalie one time in my life. But I'm recognized as someone who can like anticipate and and I have good reflexes and I'm athletic. So there's an understanding, like, hey, Derek's one of the best goalies we have out on the field. Like if I if I went out there and I was fucking up my leg every week and I sucked. I'm not paying a hundred bucks every eight weeks to show up to play soccer. Yeah. You know, there's something I enjoy about it, but you're right. There's still a respect factor of like, Hey, like he brings something to the table as a team. I enjoy playing with my friends. Don't get me wrong, but there is like an understanding of that respect. Like you bring something to the table in return. You it's a transactional thing. I bring this to the table in return. I want your respect of what I do for the greater good. Right. It's, to me, that's a nail on the head. I have a question for you guys along respect, coaching and parenting. Whose job do you think it is to keep parents in line whenever they start yelling at the referee and being unruly? Oh, themselves. It's typically their job, and, and they're not <laughs> living by those standards. So I Actually, I won't interview my, my thoughts on it. I just want to get both of your opinions. Well, what are your yeah, thoughts so, on it? I think the coaches hold a certain level of accountability kicking parents out of the game if they don't listen. Yes. That they are under the same umbrella entering in the agreement that the coaches do not work for the parents. The parents are sending their kids through a service that the coach is an extension of parents. I completely agree. And that the coaches, they do have a certain, like, they're kind of eye level with parents, but as soon as the parents start to go below what is acceptable etiquette, then it's a coach's responsibility to intervene and say, hey, this ref is doing his job. And also the coaches can't be you know, cursing out the refs. Either. Right. Um, but I think that the parents at a certain point are distracting from why everyone's there and they're making it a little bit worse. And they're kind of turning it into that warlike tribalism that would it's like, hey, this is a simulation. We're pretending this is war. We're not actually at war. Yeah. And then we all have seen that parent who's the Randy Marsh who's like, I thought this was America. That guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 
No, I would say it's I would say it's just the collective. I mean, honestly, like because when a I I would think that if a coach starts to get out of line, it would be the parents who would need to say like, "Hey, what the fuck are you teaching our kids at practice?" Then if this is how you're acting here, you know what I mean? Like I think I think it just begs or or I guess it stumbles around the concept of that we need to be better advocates for ourselves and for like each other. Yeah. My thought process was when you have a coach in charge of a group of kids, like you are, you're surrendering your parenting to that, that individual. Like there is no, if you want to be the fucking coach, you should have been the coach, you know, like you're, you're not the coach. You have allowed your kid to sign up for a team where there is a clear leader of that team. No matter what your thought process is, you need to remove yourself from that situation. Allow the person you have allowed to take charge of your child for a certain amount of time to do their job. Because if you don't, then you shouldn't have signed up for that in the first place. No, I like that. So in turn, like when um, now the soccer team I played for is like my dad never lost his mind after uh, um, us rowing. We were damn good at what we did. And we had a great coach and great leadership through and through. Now the soccer team I had three different coaches in four years. We sucked. We were horrendous in everything we did, including playing period. So my dad, we got in the car. What do you do? You're going up and down the field, a bunch of friggin', you know, heads cut off running around out there. Now he would never be vocal to, you know, the coach about it, but there were parents that would be of like, what are you doing out there? What do you, what do you got going on? Like, what, what are you even teaching these kids or whatever it may be? So I can understand where there's like, you know, revolving door of coaches and frustration of like, Hey, I'm putting money and time into driving this kid to practice and, and games. And, you know, like you, you're taking away from yourself. Yes. You're signing up that as, as a parent, but you know, you're, you're taking away from that, that bank of money, you know, that, that is time. Um, to take your kids somewhere that is taken away from your personal life. So if you're, you're not seeing the return on investment, which is, Hey, at least make this somewhat, you know, competitive or my kids learning something or doing anything. I can understand the frustration from a parent, but in turn, I think you're relinquishing that responsibility to the coach. And regardless of what the situation is, it, you're right. It is the coach's responsibility to keep those parents in check. If you don't think I'm doing a great job, then you come stand here and I'll leave and you can figure this out. Don't act like I'm not trying to figure it out. Yeah, because at its core, if those kids aren't even having fun, then what is the purpose of them doing any of it anyways? Right. So like now that's subjective. Like for instance, my my senior year, my buddies just wanted to be rebels. They wanted to be your typical lacrosse guys who were. Oh, I'd love for both of you to talk about lacrosse for a couple minutes too, because I don't know that realm. That that place seems like a whole different. I got zone. something to say about that too. After sorry, Zach. Oh no, you're fine. But like they they castrated me since freshman year for making it onto the varsity team my freshman year. Sophomore year, were called me a big shot for you know, six months yeah, and just absolutely like boycotted me for like six weeks. Like just did not talk to me. Uh, so like, you know, it's funny. I say these things and I'm like, why the fuck were you even friends with these people for so fucking long? But anywho, regardless, um, my senior year, I wanted to fucking win. You know, my junior year, we tried really fucking hard because we saw that as the last year, like, 
I saw the writing on the wall, like of who I was going to deal with next year. I was like, so we tried <laughs> fucking exponentially hard fucking junior year. Missed the final shot to fucking send us into the fucking next game, dude. But regardless, um, yeah, I mean, you see the people who you're going to potentially have to deal with and be, and what level of fun is it for you? Is it competing that is the is the fun for the conglomerate of the kids on the team, or is it that we're just here to have a good time? We're here to have fun. We're here to just this is our place. This is our social gathering, right? You know, yeah. So I think that domain has to be set. That precedence has to be set early. Like, what is what do you guys want out of this team? Yeah, like not me as the coach, like. What do I want to see happen for us? But like, what do you guys want to do? Like, are we just here to have fun for the next, you know, eight weeks? Right. Or are we here to fucking compete? I agreed. Yeah. I think that's where I, I fall in the juxtaposition of like the rowing team, which was so serious. And we competed at such a high level to the soccer team where it was co-ed and all we did was uh, smoke pot in the woods and we ran our own practices. There was a point in senior year that our coach didn't show up. We just ran our own practices. <laughs> Half the team showed up. So it's kind of like that that yeah. understanding of like, hey, 545 rowing practices, you're going to bust your fucking ass. You're not even going to be able to pay attention in school because we drain rain you so dry to the soccer practices after where it's like, hey, let's go smoke some pot in the fucking woods and kick a ball around for two. Oh, is that Ben Roethlisberger down there, bro? <laughs> Holy shit. You know? Yeah. So it's uh, it, it is interesting to see. I like to point out that that actually happened. Yeah, no, it did happen. I met Ben Roethlisberger at soccer practice. Still got the picture of my autograph football. That's awesome. so yeah. upset. That's like the week that I... That we weren't there. It was like the football team was just like, all right, this week we're going to go back to the school. It was like, hey, did you hear about Ben Roethlisberger throwing the soccer guys? And I'm like, what? Yeah. Uh, that, uh, let me, uh, let me say this too it was a co-ed soccer team at that point and uh every person there made the joke tell the girls don't go in the bathroom <laughs> jeez louise <laughs> yep fair enough well uh, i mean hearing those jokes but, yeah um oh, yeah. we were it was asking us about lacrosse and i think that this is something i was gonna bring up earlier it's so funny i know that you you both probably already know this but did you know that Lacrosse was a war simulation game. It's like Indian, like tribal Native American base, right? So they it would be played. This is all word of mouth. So people died. Assault. Yeah, it was like a mile long field that they prepared for war, and you know that'd be like simulating weapons. So they would have it all, going all the way down and kept people in shape. They might do it a couple days right before they go into battle, but it essentially was to keep people fresh. And ready to go. Yeah, dude, it was all out death wars. You just beat the living shit out of people yeah. with sticks. There was no there no, was wood. wood hurts. Yeah, there was no yeah, no thanks. There was no fucking bars. Like <laughs> you're making your own too. You make your own stick. I don't know if that's how it worked, or if you go to your own like lacrosse smith, but but uh yeah, can you imagine making your own stick and you're like, I got the best stick, and it's like no, I'm not <laughs> Your ass. Yeah, you go find the best tree and you wilt this tree into because all those sticks were was just a piece of wood that they ended up heating up by like steaming, steaming it, and they would they would bend the top of it. So like the old sticks, they only had they had string on one side, but the other side of the actual stick was the tree itself. Oh damn! So like 
one side you're getting hit by just like you're getting hit by the mesh but the other side you're getting a fucking <laughs> whooping stick like it the whole stick was it was a tree in itself like and that's where titty's talking about like that's where you like went out and seek the best fucking tree yeah to build your stick and like yeah. i wish it was still like that that's pretty cool <laughs> I still get. Titty, st- I was gonna say, Titty still has that fascination for sure. Like he came over my place a couple of weeks ago, and he's sitting there like, "Oh, if I change this head and this netting and tie this down a little bit, and I get the stick and this this is a long pull, but if I get the short pull and add this in, and I'm like, damn, the dude, balance, you can feel yeah. the balance as soon as you pick it up. You're like, this is perfectly balanced. Yeah, I think that's what made sports like that so fucking amazing back in the day because right. that's how much of a connection you still had to nature in the process of the actual competition. Yeah. For sure. Like, I have to go out into the woods and I got to go find the best fucking stick. I got to go talk to the trees. Thanks. I got to go talk to the trees and find the best homie that's yeah. like, yo, which one of you guys is not going to break whenever yeah, I who got, you who got that somebody? redwood, bro? Yeah. <laughs> Who's got that yeah, dang wood? Yeah, who like, got that redwood, bro? <laughs> I need that strong shit. I need that wedding dick strong shit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> On a side note, I don't know how much time we have. So we're we're like, getting close to our buck thirty, but we keep rolling. Bring, up, bring it up, and then we'll ride out. Conversations. Uh, so one of the questions we have is number seven: Can sports be a way to promote social and emotional learning? And how can coaches, educators use sports to teach important life skills? I think we've touched on one of them recently, but I think this is also important. Just because of my background from the podcast, anybody who's listening. I have a little bit of background in counseling and some different jobs in that realm. Um, but one of those jobs, I worked with children at this capacity where you might be challenging someone to read social cues and intentionally change the rules of the game to test the waters of discomfort and unease or change. And it's done so in a controlled environment. So it's inevitable that it happens in real life, whether it's a game or a conflict, everyone still plays nice. I think the focus needs to stay on this sense of play or the structured effort aimed towards becoming something better as a unit and an individual. I think that it may also have a hidden ability to practice facing our adversities with courage, etiquette, and confidence. So that was a big mouthful, but I think like it touches on what we're talking about is like it's supposed to be like a smaller life experience to translate to bigger life right. experience. What do you guys think about like No, I don't think yeah. I don't think the competition should be your your identity shouldn't be attached to it. It is ultimately what I would say. Yeah. Like I am a cyclist, but I'm not a cyclist. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it's like, anything that's any role in life. Like you're like you put too much you know, too much weight on a certain part of yourself and you're identifying with something that isn't even you. Right. Yeah. It's like acting like you're like you like your actions or your not even your actions but your thoughts or yourself like you're not your thoughts so why do you put so much weight on what you think like so many people think of you know worrying about you know um past or future but no understanding of what is in front of you literally all that matters like you're giving weight to two things that literally do not exist at any point right like like the past does not exist and the future does not exist it really truly fucking doesn't so if you put all your weight on either of those things, just like a role in your life, then all of a sudden you're to focus on one thing that truly isn't even 
you at all. Like that's just something that you do. It's not an identifying factor of your life. It's just something that you tend to identify with or you 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 strive to enjoy. It's it's just something that the spiritual being enjoys being a part of. It doesn't mean you identify with that action. It just means it's something that you perceive as enjoyable and, and you should stop putting so much fucking weight on it. Right. No, without a doubt, because right then and there, if you tag everything to that one concept, then you're one dimensional. Yeah. And like, I don't know, man, they say like a jack of all trades is a master of none, but like at least the jack of all trades tried all the different trades. Right. You know, like yeah. experienced all these different things and yeah. did all this different shit and didn't just do the one dimensional, you know, one dimensional thing. That's like if you get that one person who's like, they've always done fencing their entire life and then you go to play like, we had one kid come and play rugby. And pissed everyone off because we'd have to run every time the ball was dropped. And we're like, we're going to kill you, man. <laughs> if you drop the ball one more time, all of us are going to ambush you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'd say, like, that is really important just for the variety of vibrations. Yeah. Try as much as you possibly can. Right. See what makes you feel good. See what makes, what's, what do you like experiencing? Yeah. I don't yeah. think there's anything wrong with, like, what I said earlier, like, someone like my brother, I mentioned, you know, having to go through the process of, of being involved in sports. But, you know, I, I don't know what the expectation was. Maybe it's because my father enjoyed sports and saw that as like a foundational piece of his childhood. And that's where it reflected off on like making sure that did. But like, you know, who's to say if my dad was a musician and hated sports, like my brother, will my brother be more inclined to push his child into playing sports? I'd argue no, because his, you know, expectations and his reality was that music helped him become, you know, a, a further a growing human being and it helped him expand his creativity and different muscles that he was learning to use as a child. So I think our own individual experiences help, you know, drag what we're going to uh, push our, our new generation into. But I think that's the big nail on the head is I love music. I probably wish I would have taken the time when my brother was 12, 13, learning how to play the guitar and doing the same thing because I feel now at 30, not that I missed the boat. I, I still have this, you know, this inkling to want to do something musically, regardless if it's just listen to music or, you know, go to shows or whatever it is, um, that maybe there was something more of an outlet there for me. So I think that's the biggest thing is not only allowing yourself, but allowing whoever it is in your life or whoever it may be to have an understanding that you should be able to expand your horizons and try new things and, and want to figure out what works for you. And if nothing ever works for you, that's probably not going to happen but the understanding is that if you try more things chances are you're going to find something that you like that you never would have in the first place right i never would have rowed i never been a rower when first rowing i practice i showed up to i'm like what the fuck is this i'm in a boat and i row and that's it i don't get it i don't get it and this is very hard and it hurts and and like, you know, um, uh, what's uh, Hutch Bailey? Yeah. We have showed up to one practice. The biggest, strongest, meanest football kid showed up to one practice and threw up and left. Never came back. I can do this. Whatever shows up, pukes in a fucking bucket and leaves. Uh -huh. So, yeah, you have this expectation of like yourself and what you can bring to the table. But, you know, there's also the thing where you turn around and go like, okay, you know, there there are reasons to believe in what I can do and what I can't do. And, and you know, finding things that you might not would have ever done for yourself or, or pockets in life where you never would have put yourself in that situation and find, you know, you shock you for yourself even like, I never thought I would have loved rowing. And it's one of the most fundamental parts of who I was growing up. Oh yeah. 
Well, I think that stems on to a very controversial topic for an episode of like a, being an adult, you know, and all the trials and tribulations of dealing with that. And then on top of being an adult, being an, being a parent. Yeah. And I'm not a parent yet. I know none of us are parents yet, but we've experienced a lot of parents. We've seen a lot of different people be parents. Right. I think we can speak pretty heavily on that topic and to me man i just i personally and I'm, this is no i don't I'm not taking anything against any single person that i know but i have not seen a good parent yet and what i mean by that is and i don't i i mean like an exceptional parent i guess yeah. i should say because there are so many great parents out there who on a literal point that you made today of just showing up right showing up is so much of that battle it's 90 95 percent of the battle right of just we've seen so many good parents who have not given up on us yeah whether whatever the hell you bring to the table you know your parents still love you they still are there for you they still try to do whatever they can for you right there's not a lot of there's a lot i guess i should say there are a lot of people who haven't experienced that or have lost that so for me like i don't know if i've seen an exceptional parent out there because i think that our whole dynamic of the family like structure has been under attack for so long yeah of just trying to blow up the like dynamic of the family like i mean we've seen it with the whole movement that's like pushing like the stupid dad and Yes, pushing any kind of strong man to be like a masculine oppressive force. Yeah. You know, and so I think that there's been so much attack on what would have been our parents that they didn't even know what was happening, man. And like only now with like how much we have the Internet and how much we can communicate with each other are more and more people finding that person that's like, but you think like I do? Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, there's someone else out there that thinks about this stuff right. too? Like, oh, wait, there's this many people out there that think yeah. about this stuff too? Oh, like, yeah. I thought I was ready to fucking off myself. You right. know? Like, no, I, so I think that leads us into that whole concept of like, of thinking about being a parent, thinking about being an adult, and all those things that transpire yeah. from all those decisions that have to be made. And a lot of them got to be made pretty quickly. Like, yeah, I mean, that's a whole different episode for sure. Because yeah. I mean, I have opinions on that. I'm like, that's like, it's like putting too much weight on your parents. Your parents are just human beings, bro. You're right. Fuck up. Like, there's so many. My dad was my age when he had me. If I had a kid right now, <laughs> oh my right. god, bro, what? But I think the hard thing is, is I think the hard thing is, is like, whoo. I have so much respect for my parents and I have so much respect for so many parents that I've seen around me. But like, if you're that self-centered that you can't take a little bit of criticism, like being kind also comes with that, like being kind. Sometimes you got to be a little tough. Yeah. Being kind doesn't always mean that you're daffodils and daisies. Being kind might be slapping someone in the ass to say like, yeah, Hey fucker, you're doing shit wrong. So like, right. Yeah, I think there's so much to stem off of just like the competition and that being a part of life in itself, too, of being an adult. Yeah. And dealing with that, you know, like there are different 
careers and professions out there where you are competing against somebody else or you're at one of these big companies that you're now working alongside of 20 to 30 other people who are at the same level as you and the next level there's only 10 people on the next level and one of those guys is about to move up to the following level so now there's 30 of us competing to get to that next level of that next pay raise yeah so that right there like you're signing up for the role like you signed up for that role so there's an expectation like there's like your job exactly as you mentioned there's a a minimum set of requirements that you have to you know meet to get to the point where you're seen deemably um you know the person that needs to be in that role or whatever it may be. So that's exactly what you're saying too. And I, I think I agree is, you know, if you're a parent, like you're signing up for a minimum requirement that you have to meet. And without that, like the expectations are, then why'd you put yourself in that role? Right. You know, if you're, if you're overshooting and trying to get a job, you're not qualified for, and you get that job and all of a sudden you're okay, what the fuck do I do now? Then what were you thinking in the first place? Yeah. So last question of the day. Could you live without him? No. He could not. He could not. One fucking nothing blows his fucking <laughs> Okay, sorry. I, think that answer, I thought that was his answer. <laughs> That's perfect. That is fucking perfect timing, boys. They were buzzing. Look at look at this. Can these people live without that? Look at this. Oh. The voice, that's our owner. He's from Thailand. Oh, the boy, they can't live without it. I'll tell you that. Oh, my God. That's huge. Okay, so anyway, so can't we can't live without lose it today? Just they can. They have to win, and one team has to draw or lose. One team cannot win, and they have to win, and that's it. And they're at one nothing. The other team is zero zero tie. Cool. Oh, that's big boys. Okay, so anyway, so can you live without sports? Me as an individual, um, I make a living in it, so no. Um, but uh, there are reasons why I work in sports. Um, I think from a young age, I just always loved the energy and the passion and and it just it makes it's it's one of those things like driving your car 120 miles down the fucking freeway it's it's something that makes you feel alive when there's if you go to a, a penguins playoff game and there's 18,000 people screaming while there's an air raid siren playing and and they're just losing their fuck there's something so invigoratingly and life fulfilling about that to me and that's why I made a, a living working in the exact environment so to me, no. But for me to say that every person in the world can't live without sports is completely false. That's just something that makes me feel alive and, and, and generates like a, a source of energy that you can't get without it. Now, to say someone like, again, my brother doesn't feel alive going to an awesome rock show or playing a killer open mic set or whatever it is. That's, you know, narrow sighted to think that sports mean the same thing to other people as they do to me. So I would say, dude, can I? No, I make a living off it. I play it. It's been a part of my life for a very long time. So I know that it means a lot to me, but I also understand that as a broad perspective that it may not have the same role in other people's lives. And we have to be conscious of that. For me... I could do. I could live without sports. I can't live without competition. That's a great point. I can't. I. I just. For me, I couldn't live without like, without there being accolades or things that you can accomplish that other people can't accomplish without putting 
down some hard time and some hard labor and striving to do that. See, that's where the sports for me, it fucks with the competition so hard because that whole atmosphere of wanting to be the best, we too many of us try to cheat the system and they try to go around or they try to make it this or that. What I could do that would make me feel way cooler about the whole situation is I would like to see the Pittsburgh Steelers owned by the fucking city. I agree. I think that would be sweet. Yeah. I want, Just like the Packers. Packers want, are the only team. And I, didn't, such, even, yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. But Packers are owned by the people. Like if all of the if all of those professional sports teams were actually owned by like private groups of people, and what I mean by that is you want to buy into the Steelers, ten thousand dollars buys you into the Steelers. Now you're on the board. Yep. You know, and do you know how many fucking people would show up to oh my pay God. ten thousand dollars to fucking you be a part of this? For sure. You'd run out of fucking There'd be a spots. waiting list. There'd be a waiting yeah. list to, to be a part years. of it. Right. And that right there would then build onto those teams being even better and better. So like a team like the Pittsburgh Pirates, when that team's owned by now the city and we're all pumping in this money, then that team is not going to be bad anymore. No, like, I promise you. To want that I team promise. To right. So I think right there, like for me, sports could go away and be completely restructured into something completely new. And I would love that. But competition for me cannot like yeah. I, competition for me can't go away. I agree with that. I think the money, the money hungry factor. One thing we didn't even get into is U.S. soccer. I fucking hate U.S. soccer. I just worked. I just worked a game where 6,000 record attendance people at a Riverhounds game all time. That team's been around for 20 plus years. Never have they had over 6,100 people at a stadium. They were there on Wednesday, and we beat an MLS team. The Riverhounds beat the Columbus crew. I don't care who played. There was a jersey that said Columbus crew, and there's a jersey that said Riverhounds. And the team with the shitty fucking team on the mon and the dirty-ass river on a railroad beat the fucking biggest team in, in the U.S., top five probably. Yeah. One of the oldest MLS clubs around. So just as I'm watching this soccer game, if my team does not hold this lead... Or if the other team that's playing out right now just scores one goal and they hold that lead, it's over. They're getting sent down because they weren't to a point where they were competitive enough. They do not deserve their their, their place in a Premier League standing. In U.S. soccer, no matter how good the Riverhounds are, they could beat every MLS team in the world. It's, it's all about the money side. And when you have something like that where U.S.-based soccer is all about... You know, why would we put so much money into a sport if we're just going to get sent down to a lower league and we're not generating that revenue? It's so ass backwards of what's going on that you're exactly right. There should be a reformation of, you know, how sports are looked at. Like when the general public's paying for every stadium in this fucking city, we should have a say in what the hell goes on. Not, hey, let's build PNC Park to be absolutely beautiful with our tax money and then watch a shitty baseball team for 30 years. I guarantee every person in that city this city agrees with that statement. And I think that's what, that's what this whole, to me, that's what this whole podcast like kind of embodies (laughs) is that whole mentality of us like restructuring things to, or looking at things a different way and saying like, yo, we could make this way fucking cooler if we just all came together. And instead of like being worried about what the fuck is going on on the voice tonight or whatever, you know what I mean? Like the latest judges, 
we got we got our Tuesday episodes to watch. You know what I mean? Right. Come home and we start actually like building some knowledge for ourselves because we are in the age of Aquarius. Like this is the age of enlightenment. This is the age of knowledge. This is the age of understanding. And right. like, why the hell would you not take all this capabilities of all this like vast knowledge at our fingertips at any point in time? It's right effing here. Right. Like, let's start. Let's start building some knowledge. Let's start building some foundations together and let's start making some new shit because yeah. some of this stuff's kind of played out and it's you're tired of listening to someone bitch about the English Premier League. I've got friends who I listen to them bitch about the English Premier League, bitch about it, soccer all the time every time I see them. And I'm just like, the fuck you bitching about that for? Yeah. Just like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, every time I see you, it's the same damn thing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, shit. You know? Or the people who are always bitching about the pirates. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that stuff wouldn't happen. We would be accountable for it. Yo, you want to play for the Pittsburgh Pirates? Everybody gets a chance to play for the Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> yeah. Who the hell is going to be the best to show up? You know what I mean? Like That is like the epitome of a participation trip is the Pirates. Just, we're here. Yeah. And yeah, we showed up again. Yeah, we're here. You guys want bobblehead? They do. They meet the, the Pirates meet the minimum requirements of a professional baseball team. They spend yeah. to like the, the floor. You have to spend a minimum amount of money on the salary cap. They always spend just right above the minimum. And they show up and they field a team and the stadium turns on. And that's really all you got to do. They have enough history, enough background, enough funding to meet the minimum requirements. It's like how McDonald's is the minimum requirements of a fucking restaurant. Yeah. They don't go very beyond that. They just do, hey, you know, we're not five star. We're not, you know, Michelin rated. We're right. fucking McDonald's. You have we're, the above we're beef. Real you're, lucky it's beef. <laughs> you're lucky. McDonald's. You're lucky. It's beef. <laughs> we have the most... What they have at least thirty five percent real chicken in the McChicken. Like, oh, wait, thirty five is like that's above average. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. I mean, that's a real thing. Um, that's crazy. On a side note, I want to make sure I touch this because fuck yeah, um, touch it and we'll ride out on this. So could we live without them? Um, I don't think I can. When I was younger, I was small and I felt like not a whole lot of impact through things like Taekwondo, soccer. Football, basketball helped someone like me feel a little bit more strong and capable and kind of built me into a niche. But I think, honestly, I think it helps us simulate controlled aggression, strategy, finesse, and structured effort and growth over time. And I think that that is something that's always going to be constant. We're going to have that with sports. We're going to have it with chess. Sorry if someone considers chess a sport. Whatever. But it is their strategy. Yeah. There's all kinds of stuff built into it. Um, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, there's that too. And, uh, and bears. I think <laughs> oh my. we'll come back to, and this is something as me, I'm an Adlerian therapist. I'm like mentored down through Adlerian. Like my, I'm like the descendant of Adler as far as mentors. But he has one of these things, inferiority versus superiority. We're always instinctually, I think, going to like look around the room and we're going to say, that person's better than me in this. I need to work harder. And I think sports is a very good way to hold value. And maybe you're playing soccer and you're the person who kicked the ball, the ball furthest. And you're going to build confidence in that. We're all going to find something that feels good and we're good at. And I think sports is one of the ways that we can kind of demonstrate that competency and find who we are. And I think... Uh, 
the superior inferiority is an absolute necessary part of us pushing ourselves further. And if we're not, then we're probably, you know, we might need to get a, get a little bit of mental health. Like if we, if we are like at this point, like, you know, what, screw it. I'm done. I'm okay with, you know, the next person being better than me at everything and me not having a single niche. I think that's a red flag for concern. Yeah. No, it's definitely sports. Definitely are a place for mental health to strive or be dead. You know, a detrimental situation. But no, I agree that it can. I definitely like the concept of thinking about how impactful sports can be to you and your development. Without a doubt, there's a certain critical age of like feeling that you can actually impact the world around you. And I forget what it is. I think it's. I think it's industry versus inferiority. I think the the virtue you come out with is like worth or competence, and that's around like ages nine to twelve. I might be way off on all these. It's just a general number. No, that makes a lot of sense because if you if you're nine to twelve and live near Cooperstown, PA, you can change a lot of different lives with that major league fucking championship, <laughs> major league, minor league, whatever, major league. Uh, Little league, little league, yeah, yeah. <laughs> little league major, yeah. You were you're way off Cooperstown. It's also in New York. You're thinking of Williamsport. You were over two there. Oh, <laughs> what's well, baseball? Who cares? No, Cooperstown is in New York, I believe. Um, I know it's not in Pennsylvania. I know it's not in Pennsylvania. <laughs> I'll go ahead and say it's not in Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. But no, regardless, yeah. I, I see exactly what you're saying. So, all right, y'all, that was another kick-ass episode where we were discussing sports and competition. Fucking go foxes, bro. And, uh, 45 down, 45 down, 45 minutes, halftime rolling up. One here nothing. we go, baby. One nothing. Got to hold this result right here. And we're, uh, we're staying alive another year of <laughs> shitty soccer. <laughs>